Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to our Midweek Bible Study 2022 Summer Edition. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for taking time to join me. It is Wednesday, August 24th. We're continuing in our study of 1 Corinthians, taking on tough issues. In fact, we've only got two more study sessions left today and next week, and then we'll be moving on into a new study. So I'm excited to finish strong. I hope you are too. Last week, we focused on how our spiritual gifts should be used in worship. And Paul especially addressed chaos and division within the Corinthian church. And we were reminded that every spiritual gift should be used to build up the body of Christ. Today in part 12, we're looking at the hope that is at the core of our faith, the hope of resurrection through Christ Jesus. More in a moment, but right now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege again of continuing in this study of 1 Corinthians. It has been a joy to continue to unpack your word. Teach us today about the resurrection and what it means to us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. You know, we all love a good story, especially if it's true. Today, we're going to hear Paul tell the story of Jesus and the glorious future that is awaiting every believer. Now, here's a few opening questions designed to help us talk about our experiences with storytelling. Here's question one. What stories do you remember your parents and or grandparents telling you about things that were important to your family history? And how do you feel about having such roots? Now, I can remember my dad from a long, long time when I was just a little boy telling me about his family roots came from Ireland. And my mom at some point had said that her side of the family was English and Scottish. As I grew a little bit older and started to understand just a little bit that we had roots somewhere other than New Jersey where I grew up, I felt really good about that. And it kind of made me feel connected to the past. And that was really cool. Question two, what funny story about your childhood do you especially remember? Wow, the funniest of all was when I was a baby. So I'm supposedly in the doctor's office not long after I had been born. And the doctor, Dr. Wynn was his name, he was examining me. And as I was told, he pulled back the diaper and right there, I got him smack dab between the glasses. <laughs> My mom said she laughed. The doctor, hmm, not so much. <laughs> All right, number three. Who do you remember first telling you the basics of what the gospel was all about? You know, I have no recollection of being told the basics of the gospel by any family member at all through my entire childhood. I mean, I went to church from age 1 to 21, same church, and I learned about the Bible. I went through all the Sunday school classes and so forth, sat in the big services, heard the preacher and so forth. But I must say that I never heard about becoming a Christian, being saved during that entire time. It wasn't until much later in that 21st year when I was overseas in the military, my first assignment, when I first heard the salvation message. And what a message it was indeed. All right, let's dive into this Bible study a little bit more. Life is precious. We only need to have one near brush with death or a real serious circumstance to realize how fragile life can be. As followers of Christ, we have a hope that others can't have without Christ. This is a confident hope that assures us that we're going to stay alive forever. The sole reason for that is the resurrection of our Lord and his victory over the grave. So follow along as I read today's text. Open your Bible or Bible apps to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be looking at verses 
1 through 28. And while we're going through this reading, note how Paul points out that without belief in the resurrection, our faith would be useless. Here we go, 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 1. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there'll be no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we all have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority, so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Wow, what a dynamic piece of scripture that is. Perhaps it's familiar to you. Perhaps there are parts that are not, but we're going to unpack it today. So number one, here's the question. In verses one and two, Paul is reminding the Corinthians about standing firm on the gospel. But at the end of verse 2, he raises an interesting possibility. Why was Paul reminding the Corinthians to stand firm? 
And what does he mean at the end of verse 2? Paul reminds the Corinthians that the gospel message that he had preached to them, that they had welcomed, on which they had taken their stand, was the message that had saved them. Paul wanted to remind them of that gospel because apparently some, probably the false teachers, had been distorting it. In fact, some of the Corinthians had come to believe that there would be no resurrection of the dead. Now, not only was the church in Corinth having problems with unity, it was also dealing with basic problems of theology. As an apostle who had himself seen Christ risen, Paul took the Corinthian believers back to the basics of the message that they had welcomed and received. Number two, question. In verses three and four, the central theme of the gospel is given. What are the three key points that Paul shares? Those three key points are, number one, in verse three, Christ died for our sins. Without the truth of this message, Christ's death was worthless, and those who believe in him are still in their sins and without hope. However, Christ, as the sinless Son of God, took the punishment of sin, dying for sin, so that those who believe can have their sins removed. Now, the phrase, as the scriptures said in that verse, refer to the Old Testament prophecies regarding this event, such as Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11, and Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6. Christ's death on the cross was no accident. It wasn't an afterthought. It had been part of God's plan from all eternity in order to bring about the salvation of all who believe. The second key point is starting in verse 4, he was buried. The fact of Christ's death is revealed in the fact of his burial. Many have tried to discount the actual death of Christ from the false teachers of Paul's day to false teachers today. But Christ did die on the cross and was buried in a tomb. And the third key point is this. He was raised. Christ came back to life from being a dead person in the grave on the third day, as noted in the Gospels, Friday afternoon to Sunday morning, three days in Jewish reckoning of time. This also occurred, as the scripture said, again, Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11, and Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. All right, number three, question. In verses 5 through 8, Paul indicates Jesus appeared several times after his resurrection. How many times did he appear and to whom? I count six appearances that Jesus made in these verses. The first was to Peter, as also noted in Luke chapter 24, verse 34. Then Jesus appeared to the twelve. The expression the twelve was the title for the original disciples. Next, in verse 6, Jesus appeared to more than 500 of his followers at one time. This event is only recorded right here in 1 Corinthians 15, nowhere else. It says that all these people saw him at once, and at the time of Paul's writing, most of them were still alive. Paul could then appeal to their testimony to back up his own. Then in verse 7, Jesus appeared to James, his half-brother. Now, remember, James didn't believe at first that Jesus was the Messiah, John 7, 5. After seeing the resurrected Christ, he became a believer, as did Jesus' other brothers. You can read about that, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Also in this verse, Jesus again appears to all the apostles. And lastly, in verse 8, Jesus appeared to Paul. Number four, question. In verse 9, Paul says he is the least of all the apostles and goes on to say he's not even worthy to be called an apostle. Well, what does he mean by that? 
As a zealous Pharisee, Paul had been an enemy of the Christian church, even to the point of capturing and persecuting believers. Check that out in Acts 9, verses 1, 2, and 3. Paul was reminding the Corinthian believers of the magnificent grace of God in drawing sinners out of sin and into his kingdom. Paul wasn't putting himself down by calling himself the least of all the apostles. Instead, he realized that although all the apostles had been drawn from sin, Paul had actively persecuted the church of God. He fully realized the depth of the error and sin from which he had been saved, so much so that he knew he was not worthy to be called an apostle. Only God's grace had handed him such a privilege and responsibility. Number five, question. In verse 12, it appeared that some of the Corinthian believers doubted there would be a resurrection of the dead. Why did they doubt that? The gospel message the Corinthians had received and believed included the basic fact of the resurrection, a central fact to the Christian faith. But apparently, as this verse says, some doubted or just flat out said there would not be a resurrection of the dead. This kind of thought contradicted the entire gospel message. This may have come from the Greek view that matter was evil and therefore no physical body would rise. The church at Corinth was in the heart of the Greek culture. So many believers had a difficult time believing in a bodily resurrection. Paul wrote this part of the letter to clear up any confusion about the resurrection. Number six, question. Read again verses 17 through 19. According to Paul, in what way does all of the Christian faith rest upon the reality of the resurrection from the dead? And why does Paul say that if it's not true, Christians are to be pitied more than anyone in the world? Well, first of all, refusing to believe that Jesus rose from the grave means that Christians are still guilty of their sins. If Jesus died and was never raised, then his death did nothing to accomplish justification. God's raising him from the dead showed acceptance of Christ's sacrifice. If God left Jesus in the grave, then the sacrifice was not accepted and no one has received cleansing from sin. The condemnation for sin, according to Romans 6.23, is death. To still be under condemnation, then, means that all people will be given the ultimate penalty for their sins. To answer the second question, Christians carry with them, even though through persecution and death, the promise of eternal life with God. Yet if Christ was never raised from the dead, and if there's no hope of the resurrection, then all who have died believing in Christ are lost. That's what it says. Paul pointed out the silliness of that argument. For if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world, he said. If the only promise of the Christian faith applies to this life, then why believe in it? Why believe in a faith that brought, in this culture and even still in many places of the world, persecution, sorrow, death, ostracism, and separation? Without the resurrection, there'd be no hope for final judgment and justice or hope for a final dwelling place with God. If the end is the same for everyone, why not live like the pagans, indulging in every sensual pleasure? Number seven, question. Review verses 26 to 28. Why is it important that death itself will one day be destroyed? Death is every living being's enemy, the common fate of all humanity. Death is the last enemy that always wins. But Christ will destroy death. At the cross and through the resurrection, Christ has already defeated death. Yet people still die. For those who believe in Christ, though, Death is merely a doorway to eternal life. Amen to that.
And now our last study question for today. Number eight, what difference has Christ's resurrection and your resulting victory over death made to you in terms of hope and courage, in terms of purpose for life? First of all, I have hope and a future because Jesus took my sin on his shoulders. He nailed it to his cross, took it to his grave and buried it. And then he rose to life. And because of that amazing love and grace, I am free to live for him and make a difference in this world that brings him honor and glory. I know that whatever I do, wherever I go, I can serve him and tell others about him. I can be an encourager and an advocate for Christ. And I don't have to fear what the next step is after death because I know that I am in Christ and I will be with him one day for all eternity. And beloved, that is true for all who believe in Jesus. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of today's study. Let's recap briefly what we talked about. Today, Paul summarized for us what the Christian faith is all about. And he reminded us that our hope is in the death and resurrection of Christ and that someday we will have victory over death. Amen. Next week is going to be our last study. We're going to finish our study of 1 Corinthians by looking at 1 Corinthians 15, the latter part of the chapter, verses 35 to 58. And we're going to consider what our resurrection bodies will be like. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be a great discussion. All right. Thanks for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to be with you once again. Thank you so much for taking time. I hope the Lord has blessed you through this study today. Please take care. Have an amazing rest of your day and week. I'll see you right back here next time. Until then, God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.